You're listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Associate Professor of Pastoral Theology and Leadership. Is there somebody in your church that exemplifies commitment to the church, stability, and longevity? Everybody needs one, two, ten, many, many, many more of those kinds of people in their church. Whether you are a pastor or a layperson, having that kind of stability in the church really, really matters. I've been thinking about this for a little while. What do people who stay think? Why do people who stay stay? What would they say to the leadership? What would they say to the pastor? How do they navigate some of the changes in their own ministries? How do they navigate some of the changes in leadership? How do they come to see the personality or the culture of the church? Well, in my own life, I've got one of those people. They're not part of the church I'm currently attending. They've been part of the same church for nearly 25 years. And that guest is my brother, Paul. Paul has been a member of the local board of administration of his church. He's been a member of the district board of administration for the district to which he belongs. He's a longtime employee of the federal government in Canada. He lives near Ottawa, Ontario, and he's been attending the same church for nearly 25 years. And in that time, he's seen pastoral transitions. He's seen discipleship. He's seen ministries come and go. He's thought about leaving the church and finding other ones himself. And in this conversation, we're going to ask all those different questions to see what wisdom he developed and what his perspective might be applied to us today. Whether you are a pastor or a lay leader, I think that today's episode is a great insight into what really faithful people are thinking and how they are navigating some of the nature of being part of a local church for a long time. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsor and then enjoy the podcast. Wesley Seminary prepares Christian leaders to engage in missional ministry locally and globally through fully online Masters of Ministry, Masters of Divinity, and Doctor of Ministry programs. Learn from professors who will help you grow in your knowledge of scripture, theology, and church history with the goal of applying what you learn from the local ministry. Journey with a spiritual formation cohort made up of students from around the world that take their own ministry experience and challenge you to sharpen your ministry skills and deepen your spiritual formation. Wherever you are, in whatever way you serve in ministry, we want to serve you. We are Wesley, and you belong here. Paul Perry, welcome to the Wesley Seminary Podcast. Thank you. It is so great to be here. A lot of people are like, Aaron Perry, Paul Perry. Yes, the answer is he's my brother. I'm another brother. You have another reason for being on the podcast, though, and it's it's a unique one, and that's why you're here. You're part of a dying breed. Let's say that. People that have been part of the same church for just very extended periods of time. And you've been part of the same church for how many years now? Probably close to 25 years. 25 years. It was Canada Wesleyan Church. At the time, was pastored by the National Superintendent of the Canadian Wesleyan Church, Reverend Dr. Steve Elliott. It's gone through some pastoral changes. We'll talk a little bit about that, but you're still there. It's now called The Bridge, and it's located just west of Ottawa in Canada, Ontario. 25 years. All right, Paul, let's jump in. How did you get started attending Canada Wesleyan, now The Bridge? It's a pretty simple story. I was living in Ottawa at the time, and I didn't have a car. And so anytime I wanted to go either to visit our parents back home 
I'd catch a ride with uh, friends of ours who lived there and did the same thing. But they also went to church in Canada. So if I wanted to ride with them, I'd go to church with them. And that's kind of how it started. And I sort of stayed after that. What do you think has been beneficial about being part of the same church for that length of time? And what have you seen in your own story that might be applicable to others? Maybe they're in a season of like, do I stay? Do I go? Right? There's, there's different things happening. What's been beneficial about being part of the same church for an extended period of time? Really, part of it is, even though you do see people come and go, it is your home. If you are involved, it is your home. And you do see, even though there are changes, there is that stability. Your work might change, your relationships might change, your home might change, but there is that safe place there. Are you able to see a personality kind of shine through and develop and even mature over that length of time? Definitely, you do. Even as people come and go, depending on who might be the the leader or the pastor, the church sort of takes on their their personality to an extent. I've been part of a number of transitions that happen in churches, whether to whether I was the pastor coming or I was the pastor going, whether I was offering support in interim times in unofficial ways. And one of the things that you you see is that unless a philosophy of ministry or a church personality has really gotten into the bones of the church, it just kind of walks out the door whenever the the executive leader of the church does, which is often often the pastor. And then you have other pastors who come into a church and it doesn't matter what they do. The philosophy of ministry is in the bones of the church and they can't, they can't change it one way or another, unless maybe you could work with the metaphor, unless they break a bone or two, right? Or there's, or there's significant trauma that happens to the church. But talk to us a a little bit about how did you see the, the personality, the, the church culture stay the same and then maneuver or shift as you had changes in leadership over your time at the same church? Well, I can talk more about how it changed. A few years into my time at the church, our senior pastor, who at the time you said was was Steve Elliott, he resigned, and we brought in a new leader. Alan Summers was his name, and you had him. He was a previous guest on the Wesley Seminary podcast, and they are two very different, two godly men, loved God, loved their families, loved the church, great leaders, great pastors, great preachers, but just different styles, different philosophies of ministry, different philosophies of leadership, just different people. And as Steve, who was the founding pastor, and he was the founding pastor, he was there for over 20 years, it took on his personality. And then when there was a change that was very drastic, it ruffled feathers. And that's just natural. I'm not uh, deriding anybody or anything. That's just just natural. That's going to happen. The church really changed over time. It did eventually change. And there was some coming and going of people and it wasn't an easy transition, but it was a good transition, and it was a good change. It was a change that needed to be made, a good personality change, I mean, it was needed. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder that there are times of change that people or that churches go through. There are times of change that people go through and families go through. And one of my favorite quotes from Rick Warren, he says, it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. And I think you could also say it takes all kinds of churches to raise or disciple all kinds of people as well. So there's going to be comings and goings. You're going to be people that that leave church and you can leave church poorly. You can leave church as well, but you've chosen to stay. And I want to ask you, I expect that there were times when you thought about leaving and thought about exploring another church. Could you share with us, and maybe for the person who's tuning in, that's that's kind of in that season of like, well, should I stay or should I go, right? If I'm quoting the song, you know, if they're asking like, should I stay or should I go? Why did you choose to stay? And what would be some advice that you would have for people that are are maybe leaning out 
but maybe should give a second thought to staying at a church they've been at. There was a time where I, I was thinking of, of making a change. There was a, a relationship change in my life, and it was just increasingly difficult to go to church. It wasn't like, oh, I don't like the song they sang, so I'm leaving. So it wasn't anything like that. Nothing against the church or the pastor or anything like that. But, oh, maybe I should make a change. And I really wasn't sure what to do. But part of it was just how we were raised. You know, you went to church, you got involved in your church, and that was your church. If you left your church, that was a big deal. Part of it was just the environment we grew up in. But I was reading a book one Sunday morning. I forget the name of the book. Apologize for that. The book was talking about Elijah and Elisha. And when Elijah called Elisha, Elisha was in the in the field plowing. And when he got the call from Elijah, he didn't like stop plowing, put everything away. Like he left everything right there. I think he burned his plow. Wasn't that right? And the, the author was saying, you know, maybe for you to to reach what God is calling you to do, you need to make a change in your life. It could be a job. It could be a relationship. It could be whatever. And, and the author said, it's probably the thing that you're thinking of right now. And the only thing I was thinking of was, well, maybe I need to make a change in, in church. There are lots of great churches in my city. Maybe I need to do that. And so I prayed a simple prayer. And I said, Lord, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, I'll go. Just make it clear what you want me to do. Very simple prayer. So I went to church that morning. After church, I was talking to my pastor in the in the lobby, as just shooting the breeze, talking about the hockey game the night before, how badly the Leafs played. And all of a sudden, he just went, he said, Paul, he said, you get it. You get as well as anybody. You get better than anybody. What we're trying to do here. He said, you get it. And I thought, well, that's my answer. I'm here. I get it. We're trying to build something. We're trying to reach our community. And that, that kind of settled it for me. And the more involved you are in a church, whether it's teaching Sunday school or whether it's being a greeter or whether it's you know being on our church board or something, the more involved you are, the less likely you are to leave or to want to leave. You still could, you still might, but it's it would be a much heavier decision, that's for sure. There's one time I was listening to N.T. Wright share. This is a number of years ago. It was a CD. It wasn't even a podcast. I was listening to a, a lecture that I had ripped offline and burned onto a CD. In his work, when he was at Oxford and he talked to students, he would say, sometimes they thought they were losing their faith when in reality they were going deeper. And I think there's a parallel sometimes that sometimes we might feel at odds or a bit disconnected or disjointed from a local church. And we might think that we're losing our church or we're leaving our church when in reality, God wants to take us deeper into it. If you choose to leave, it's going to actually be harder because of the commitment you've made in the meantime. You mentioned ministry, and I want to talk about ministry for a second. You've had different ways of being involved in the church, 25 years. How have you stayed involved? Have you been in the same ministry this whole time? Have you shifted ministries? How have you worked to stay involved at the local church? I have been involved in various ministries at various times. I've been on our board on and off for a number of years. I served as just a member at large, or I was the secretary. I was the vice chair for a period of time. That was very interesting. You really got to see the inner workings of a church. I, I really enjoyed my time. I'm off now, but I, I did certainly enjoy my time in that. Currently, I serve as a as a greeter and a, our guest services team. And so I'll do greeting, I'll work our little coffee area and I do that. And, you know, it might seem like a little thing and it's not difficult. It's not a, a very theologically deepening position, but it, you do see, you see everybody. 
and I really enjoy that. Over the years, I've also helped with our summer kids program. I have helped with young adults. That's a while ago, but helped with young adults. How did you stay fresh in the ministry so that you were like, you obviously have done a bunch of different things. How did you know, I want to try something different? Or maybe like, I've done this for a while. It's time to do something different. And to make that change in a way that honored the leader that you had been serving under and didn't communicate, you know, a step away or a step back, but was a recommitment or was a, a doubling down on your commitment to the church. How did you do that as you look back on it? Well, some of those things, it was kind of natural. Like, like I mentioned, our summer kids program, our BBS program. Well, when it's over, it's over. Something like that is a great way to get involved in a ministry. It's a temporary thing. If you really like it, you can do it again. And if you really hate it, you don't have to do it again. And it's a good way to, to stay current in things. What's been one of the most meaningful ways that somebody that's been your ministry leader has expressed their thanks, their gratitude, or maybe has just affirmed the ministry that you've been doing? It's not like you've just been pushing pencils for them, right? You've been doing actual ministry that's made a difference. How have you been thanked? How have they shown gratitude? How have they energized you in the ministry that you've been doing? Well, one thing, and this has started fairly recently, is they've been doing volunteer appreciation nights. And basically, they would take certain volunteers. I don't think it was based on anything other than they would take a group of 15 or 20. One of our staff pastors, he's a former chef. And so he would cook up this beautiful meal. And here, we're, you know, we're here to serve you. And you serve us. And now we're, we're, we're giving back to you. I thought it's just a way to feel appreciated. And really what I think it's Andy Stanley, what gets rewarded gets repeated. So just to say thank you, it, it was a simple thing, but it was a, a lovely evening. And it really helps you, you stay engaged and stay involved for sure. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul's words when he said, I thank my God every time I think of you. Right. And there's a way that expressing our gratitude, saying thank you, creating an environment where those who are stepping up in ministry to serve on a consistent basis are then able to be served and to be honored and recognized, not not necessarily in, in grand things, but in ways that even highlight skills that a pastor draws from another season of life, you know, kind of unique, serendipitous moments, idiosyncratic ministries, even or idiosyncratic talents that they've got. You know, it does communicate the body life. It does communicate the unique community that God has brought together. So if I was going to challenge one of the things that you said, it would be, I think greeting is incredibly theological deepening because that's the body life. It's them coming together that there's only one of the person that is coming in that you are welcoming and making feel at home and saying you belong here. There's only one of that person, just as, if, just as there's only one son. There's only one son who is incarnate in Jesus Christ, and he's creating this, this unique body, this unique expression under his lordship in this local place. So I think it's really theological. I think it's theology really in action. Lived out, yeah. I want to move into kind of a tough topic, but it's one that every church faces, and it's one that even leads to some people exiting the church, perhaps for good reason, and perhaps for not so good reason, and that's church conflict, even church drama. It comes to us all at one point or another, whether we seek it out or not. Whenever you've got people coming together in the name of Jesus Christ, and he is seeing them discipled by the power of his spirit alongside other believers, you're going to have drama. If you didn't have any drama, then you wouldn't be having any discipleship. You wouldn't be having people who needed discipling. So the fact that there is drama is perhaps kind of one of those bad news, good news scenarios. Now, you've been a, a leader in the church. I'd love for you to talk to us about what role did you play in a constructive way, in a helpful way, in a healthy way, whenever you saw church drama, church conflict happening? How did you 
from your vantage point, try to act redemptively in the midst of it? So anytime I saw that sort of thing, I was serving on our board. You know, you mentioned if there is no conflict, then there's nothing happening. And that's so true. Like when you grow, there's going to be, there's going to be conflict. Some of it healthy and good and some of it not. But anytime I've seen it, I've tried to provide support to the leadership privately. I would offer, you know, if it were something that I disagreed with, I would offer that for sure. But I would try to do that in a privately and in a healthy way. And I think that has helped me maintain good relationships with our pastors over time. I would pray. I would seek advice from people outside of the situation. You know, like, hey, this is going on. How do you handle it? What should I do if there's anything I can do? Whenever you've been at a church for that long, you kind of earn the right to have something to say. And whenever it's been backed up by having genuine words and genuine comments, then I think that it goes a long way to people hearing you and and taking in what wisdom you've you're offering. And of course, sometimes your wisdom or sometimes your suggestions are taken. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's there's reasons that they can't be taken as there's there's complexity that goes into it. So I imagine that just a sense of trust has got to be part of your demeanor and posture in it as well. Yeah. Normally, I'm the type who typically is, I'm like Mr. Say Nothing. I kind of keep quiet, take in a lot. But part of that is I've been both in my work life, you know, I work for our federal government and and working and at the church. I've been in meetings where people will just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I find the more they talk, the less they say. And I find the less you talk, the more you can say, the more your words carry weight. That's how I live. That's how I conduct my, try and conduct myself. Whenever you were talking about people that can just have, have something to say, and I'll confess that I'm, I'm in that spot. It's like, sometimes I feel like I've got to talk until I get myself warmed up and then I've got something to say, but you know, whenever you lose the moment, right? And so I can identify and I can think of times when people have just kept on going and they really had nothing to say. And you mentioned it and I was just thinking to myself, yes, I'm sure I've done that before. I'm sure I've heard that. So we, we, we get it. You mentioned something really interesting here. I just got a couple more questions I want to ask you about. Number one is how have you worked to balance out the work-life, church-life dynamic? And what was your take whenever you were being asked to volunteer and to, or to take a leadership role of something in the church? Anytime I was asked to take on a leadership role, I felt honored. I thought, wow, you're, you're asking me to do that? Really? Wow. Uh, as for the, the sort of the work-life balance, no matter how busy you are, that's always a tough one because, you know, you always get the ask from, from the platform, oh, we need volunteers for kids ministry. We need volunteers for tech ministry. We need volunteers for ABCD, you know, and I forget the name of the principle, but it's 80% of the people do 20% of the work. The Pareto principle. Pareto principle. I learned that very on, very early on in my, my roles at the church. I thought that is so true. Even growing up, I noticed you had 80% of or 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. My, my view is to try not to fall into either category. Because if you're one of the 20% doing 80% of the work, you're going to stress yourself out. You're going to burn out. And if you're one of the 80% doing 20%, you're not really, I shouldn't say you're not really contributing, but I think you know what I mean. Well, I want to give you a chance just to have one, one final word. And this is a question that I often have on the podcast where, you know, various people are in and, and they are, informed on a subject and they reflect on a subject. You've spent a lot of time thinking and sharing with us some of the wisdom you've developed about being part of a single church for such a long period of time. What's one thing that you would say to people who are in ministry, people who are in pastoral leadership right now? I think it'd be great for you to have a similar word. You've been a, a supporter of different pastors through your, your adult life at the same church. You've been 
one who's given financially, you've given of your time, you've given of your of your opinion. The word that you might have is built across years of one who's been contributing. What would you say to pastors in this kind of moment of kind of post-COVID, but still wrestling through the the different implications and the different ways that that culture has and is shifting? What would you say to pastors listening in to the podcast today? Over my my years, both growing up in our small church in our small town and in a, a larger church in a larger city now, people will surprise you and be just expect that. And sometimes that's a bad thing. And a lot of the times that's a good thing. I've seen people start working in positions of the church. And I thought, oh, I don't think that's a really good fit. Or him, really? I'm not sure. And they thrive and they really take ownership. And I didn't see that coming. It's like people will surprise you. So when you think someone might might be out of their element, they might not be. People will surprise you. Joining us today has been Paul Perry. Paul is a member of The Bridge, a Wesleyan church in Canada, Ontario. He's been there for nearing 25 years. Paul is my brother and one that we talk about subjects like this pretty consistently. And so, Paul, thanks for taking the time to have this conversation in public with the Wesley Seminary podcast so we can disperse some of your experience to our listeners. I certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. You make conversations like this possible. The Wesley Seminary podcast exists to introduce topics and resources for fruitful ministry. If we've done just that today, please like and subscribe. Share this episode around. If you are a friend of Paul's, you better share this one. This is one where you need to come through and share this podcast so that more people can hear what he's got to share today and let other people know about the Wesley Seminary podcast. Really, we appreciate any and all listeners who are tuning in. You do make these conversations possible. Thanks, Connor, for your production work. I appreciate you being such a great teammate. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.